Welcome to Emil Franzink's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West and Dry Cleaning Outlet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France, Todd Roberts. Before we went to the live stream, yes. we were talking about uh, dry cleaning and... Uh, I imagine you two want to carry it on, do you? I do. I just, you know, it just, I, I understand what Todd is saying, and, he, he, and you know, this is this, these are the guys that just how they want to present themselves. Yeah. But you know, if you come down here to the white, uh, white stallion and you look at the folks working here, and they've all got nice, clean Western wear on, you know. And, it ain't starch. But it ain't starch. Well, the shirts are iron, but, but no, that's because Mama at home irons them. Nobody, nobody wears starched Levi's or Wranglers or whatever jean you happen to prefer out this way that I'm aware of anyway. I know I don't. Yeah. Uh, they are can stand up by themselves. They don't need any starch. Yeah, that's because they. Have, that's because it's a real cowboy and it hasn't been washed in six months. Oh God. Anywho, hi, well, Todd. what do you got to say, Todd? The well, all I got to say is is that I, I, no, I'm just telling you that there's a lot of guys that do it. I don't. Yeah. Never have, but okay. uh, there are. A lot, I know a lot of cowboys that do that, and um, so I don't like a crease in my Levi's. No. But, uh, you know, um, so it, it, I'm just you know it's so it's a personal preference thing, but oh, it is I the same way with them. Okay, yeah. So uh, from there we went to Bob's Big Boy, and uh, it's still there. Wow, you can still go in, wow. and they on uh, Friday and Saturday nights at five o'clock they have a car show, oh, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's just great. It's we had. Uh, we had the uh, whatever their big boy combo is, which mm-hmm. is a double double burger mm. with a chocolate shake and mm. a root beer float oh, and fries. Oh. And oh. no one kept did you guys looking at me going. Did uh, one of you have the root beer and the other one the, the shake and then you shared? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. Yes. You're a, yeah. you're a good and day. she 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 started to pull out another straw Uh-oh. to put it in to put it in my my root beer float, and uh-huh. I said, uh-uh. um, "I I don't know what you're really worried about because um, you let me stick my tongue in your mouth all the time. So, I, wh- where is the concern coming from exactly? Hey, Are you trying to keep track of how much ice cream's left? What what is it? Uh huh. So no, you know, this is a family show. You don't put your tongue in your mouth. You put it in her ear. Well, because <laughs> okay. it's well, a family show. Okay, all right. I do that as well, but she it's hard for her to hear the show when, when I do that. I, I, I do miss Bob's big boy, man. Uh, I remember him fondly in Tucson. And, remember Johnny's? Uh, and I remember Johnny's, Johnny's uh, cool. another place just like that. Hey, let's well, get on. Well, you come out to L.A., uh, Harry, the next visit I'm taking you. Excellent. Well, let's get on with today's topic, yes, which so. is art. Art. Art and not a guy uh, named Art. Not a guy named Art. <laughs> um, who was it? Uh, Art, Art Mix. Uh, yeah, Art Mix. Um, no, we're talking about uh, W. Herbert Buck Dunton, William Herbert Buck Dunton, uh, artist, born 1878, died in 1936, and um, formed the Taos uh, Artist Society. But before we get into that. Bunker has some housekeeping to do there. Well, last week when I was doing my the birthday calendar and whatnot, <clears throat> in mid in midstream, Harry gave me the whirling finger, which was <laughs> to hurry up. So what from now on? Because I'm still going to do this because I love doing it. But instead of doing a whole week's worth, I'm just going to do the weekend, Friday, okay. Saturday, and Sunday. But I'm going to have all the all the gravy. <laughs> of course with you are. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to start with the 16th. That's of February, 1945, and this is a piece of history. American paratroops landed on Corregidor Island in the Philippines mm-hmm. during World War II. Within two weeks. Recaptured it from Japan. There you go. Yeah, that's 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 our history, and these kids need to know that. That's right. Okay, uh, the seventeenth. That's today. Only in 1909, Geronimo died at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, of pneumonia. 
He's buried in the Beef Creek Cemetery near the fort, unable to return to his beloved homelands in Arizona, even in death. And then for Sunday, and this this is kind of a good one because I work with him, so I this is out of respect and also because I just love his bad guy stuff. February 18, 1919, Jack Palance entered the world. Mm. He was nominated for three Oscars, all for Best Supporting Oscar, uh, Oscar, Oscar. Uh, <laughs> the first one was for Sudden Fear in 1952, didn't win. Second one was for Shane in 1953, didn't win. And then the third was for City Sheet, City. Slickers, <laughs> the sheet is slit. Who slit the sheet? Whoever slit the sheet is a good sheet slitter. Fix, How come I couldn't say it? Fix your teeth. I know, I mean, <laughs> eye teeth, and I couldn't see the words. But anyhow, that was 1991. He won the Best Supporting Actor as Curly. And when he came out of his mother's womb, he was doing one-arm push-ups. He did. <laughs> and when they buried him, he and was doing one-arm push-ups. Let's just say this now. Uh, yes, he was nominated for those three films. And he was fabulous in Monty Walsh, but I still say that his best performance is in The Big Knife with Rod Steiger. Oh, yeah. He plays a a, uh, studio actor who is the marquee player of the studio, Mm -hmm. and Steiger plays the head of the studio, and they're at odds all the time. And it's a tremendous film if you yeah. want to understand Hollywood. There you go. Yeah. Plus, plus and I, I can't recall the name of it, but it's the one that was a TV movie where he played the prize fighter. It was later done as a, as a regular movie, and I don't remember who did it, but they got an Academy Award for the performance. His was so much better. All right. Onward yeah. to our topic of today, which is art. Oh. And uh, oh. we're, we're t- modern uh uh, not modern art, not stick art, uh, just plain art. Uh, Herbert Dunton, uh, Buck Dunton, they called him, and uh, I did a little bit of an introduction there. However, my knowledge of art is like... Um, it's oh, all in the beer holder. Yeah, you know, I, I follow the words of the infamous and famous uh, Kinky Friedman, art is in the eyes of the beer holder. But you looked at some of his stuff. Oh, I like... Hey, what did you think? I like what I'm seeing. Um, I don't know all of the art terms and whatnot, so that's why I'm going to have you and Todd talk about this particular guest, because I don't know squat about it, and I'm not going to embarrass myself. Or I probably will. And you should never squat when you're wearing spurs. I know that. I learned that the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Todd, what what did you learn when we told you about Mr. Buck Dutton being our subject? Or what did you already know? Well... You know, he is he is one of the great American artists. Mm-hmm. He, he, along with, uh, you know, Jody Young and Seltzer and uh, all the other greats that started the Taos Art Society, um, were great painters because they were classically trained, number one. And number two, they uh, spent time in the West uh, living, hunting, riding, uh, he worked as a cowhand in his life, and you know he had an influence on many artists. You see it all the time, even to this day. I see a lot of influence in Hagee's work uh, of by Dutton. I see a lot of work in Ed Mel's work by Dutton, and I think that uh, you know you can find his influences everywhere. He also loved to paint. Uh, African scenes as well, but he was a nature. He was a naturalist. He was a nature, a nature lover and a hunter, and that's why his horses look real and the shrubbery and the vegetation looks real. And he's just got a yes, a very romanticized uh, expression of the West. But uh, you know, we don't subscribe or love art or are attracted to art or music or film or stage theater because of its uh, ugly realities. We're attracted to it because it romanticizes things we know and understand. And when you look mm-hmm. at him or Bloom and Shine or any of the other greats, uh, I think you see it and it comes shining through. Well, I will t- I will say this. He was born in Maine 
and came out west. So that proves that you can get there, get here from there. Yes, you can. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back and forth yeah, in the timeline on this because it's just so much stuff. And just to, to touch on things, but he was born on August 28th in 1878, Augusta, Maine, just outside of Augusta. Uh, he died when he was 57 years old. It's a, kind of a sad story. He got injured by a horse uh, about 10, 14 years before. And then he went through a, a series of deteriorating health. Where he got cancer, uh, prostate cancer, lung cancer. and He ended up finally just succumbing to those. But he was noted for his paintings of cowboys more than anything else. He did animals. He loved bear, he loved bear painting. Uh, like I said, I'm going to jump around. Uh, he was a member of the Taos Society of Artists, and he was one of the Taos Six. That was the guys that founded it. They established it in 1915 and disbanded in 1927, and they contributed to the development of the tiny art uh, Taos out art colony, which up until that time was unheard of anywhere in the world, which is now a yeah, art deal. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very important, and it's international. And he, and he, as I said, he worked as a ranch head as a youth. He studied at Cal's Art Studio in Boston, moved to New York and worked as an illustrator for publishing companies uh, in 1912. He studied for a short time. Uh, he was an art student with Ernest Blumenstein. Sheen, I just I can't never can. Blumenstein. Blumenstein. I wasn't whether Sheen or Shine. Thank you, Blumenstein, who told him about uh, Taos and and insisted that he visit. And uh, Blumenstein was also one of the six. Now, of the six artists that were there, there was Joseph Henry Sharp, E. Irving Coos, Oscar G. Burninghouse. W. Herbert Dutton Buck, Ernest Blumenstein, and Bert Phillips. All of these guys are, well, I guess you would say, anybody that does serious art of the West, and especially Indian art, uh, they find they find a lot of inspiration from these guys. Uh, he was a protege of W. H. McFadden, uh, his, and this is interesting. His work was part of the 19. 32 Summer Olympics held in L.A., and I'll go into more of that later. Uh, he had one painting called Roping a Wolf, which is an awesome picture, and it sold for $402,500 at Scottsdale Art Auction not too long ago. Wow. Okay, what else we got here? Uh, helpful in his career was was the Texan Nelda and H.G. Lucher Stark, whose collection helped found the Stark Museum in Orange, Texas. They bought hundreds of his paintings during the Depression, and their collection became the largest collection in America by Dutton. And it's like I said, he, the people that know him, they love him. And, and you know, he was also he was friends with Charlie Russell. I don't, I don't know that he ever had any contact with Remington, but you, you look at his work and you don't see his work being influenced by other artists. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he just, uh, I'm going off script here for a minute, but he, he, painted, it, he painted life as he saw it. And he started, he start, he, as a kid, he was just, uh, he was a bad student. I'll, I'll get to that later. What have I got here? Okay, there's a bunch of books that he illustrated. I'll, I got like a bunch of them, but I'm going to skip most of them. He did, I mentioned some of the artists though. He did do Alfred Henry Lewis, which, who did the Wolfville stories. And the one book, Far O'Neill and His Friends, has got about, uh, I'd say over a dozen illustrations still of the stories in there. And you look at that and you go, my God, if I was cast in a Hollywood movie, <laughs> I would look at these pictures because the hats, the, the clothes, the shaps, the spurs, the boots, that's what the guys were wearing, not what some costume designer that, that studied in Paris thought that a cowboy should wear. You know, I just I just don't go for black lace shaps. It just doesn't, doesn't cut it. Uh, anyhow, well, yeah. I would say, Bunker, to your point, is when you look at the art of Dutton or 
uh, Burning House, uh, or any of the others of the six, you will see a direct correlation between uh, their art and the art of Jody Young and Olaf Seltzer. Mm -hmm. And at a later point in life, uh, Jody Young went out to Hollywood and became a costume designer. He was an illustrator for the movies, and he drew how people were. He, he was the illustrator for costume. He was the he was a costume illustrator. And, and when you see a film real. like yes, and when you see uh, Duel in the Sun with uh, Jennifer Jones and Gregory Peck and Joseph Cotton, Lillian Gish and Lionel Barrymore. Those outfits, especially yeah. the cowboys who ride with loot, yep. Gregory Peck's, uh, who's the villain, his group of, of, of degenerates that he hangs out with, <laughs> those are guys that are all directly right out of Jody Young uh, uh, descriptions mm -hmm. through paintings because he did the art on that. And he's a direct descendant of Charlie Russell. But you see yep. that commonality from him directly to the six, especially in uh, Dutton. You know, like the like the great uh, like the great painting he did, the Horse Rustler mm -hmm. from 1915. I mean, that's Tom Mix all the way. White horse, big huge Montana uh, peak, chaps, gauntlets, and a shearling coat. You know, and it's 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 interesting too. Cause I'm glad you mentioned doing the sun because you, if you look at the Joseph Cotton and uh, Barrymore, you know the the father and the other son, who were very much ranchers, and their wardrobe is what ranchers wore. You know, the ranchers were somewhere somewhere between a cross between cowboy and town. Mm -hmm. But they well, they were they, they were the every, boss. Yeah, they, they were the boss. And they dressed. Yeah, so whenever I hear people say, "Oh, well, he's a he's not a cowboy," he look at him. He's he's not dressed like all the other cowboys. No, because he's the boss. He didn't he didn't work. He didn't work off a horse. He worked off a desk. You know, he worked with his head, not his not his rope and All right, we got to do our first commercial oh, break many. here on Amo oh. Franzi's Voices of the West. Our topic is uh, Mr. Dutton. He's an artist. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Oh, you thought you could get by with another holdup, huh? 
Well, maybe a long jail term will teach you boys something. And if it don't, there's always a rope. This is the Voices of the West. on Abel Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Todd Roberts with you. But you didn't know there was a Red River rag, did you? I knew it was real toe tap and fiddling. That's what I know. <laughs> Bill Boyd and his cowboy ramblers there. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was good stuff there. All right. Well, uh, our uh, topic for today... What is our topic? ...is art. And it is about W. Herbert Dunton. Buck Dunton, they called him. And uh, Todd and um, Bunker are <laughs> we're just, we're just, we're doing their best we're, we're to... Just sta- we're just standing in tall paintbrushes, yeah, I'll that, tell you. Yeah, that right. is. That, well, I'm just it. going to cut just a couple of little more things about the books. He illustrated some some of the Zane Gray books, Okay. which that tells you something. I mean, he illustrated... I want to name... I want to digress for a minute and name a whole handful of the books that he illustrated, not because it's going to teach you anything other than these are books that if I could find them, I would read them today. And they're just great titles. Uh, Wanderer of the Wasteland by Gray, but Heart of the Desert, Strength of the Pines, The Raid of Gorilla, and that's not the monkey gorilla, that's that's the gorilla-like bad guy gorilla. Oh, I thought it was Ray Corrigan there for a moment. Prescott and the Saskatchewan, (laughs) Judith and Blue Lake Ranch, because a lot of these stuff were all romance westerns, which Someday we need to do a show on those, but uh, and then I'll, I'll just skip. So, so talk about um, this particular painting he did. Uh, it was commissioned by W. H. McFadden, uh, the uh, big game hunter Ben Lilly. Oh, uh, yes. that apparently. And I'm I'm sorry, I just don't have a whole lot of information on this sort of thing. But that um, you know, I just happen to have a note here. I bet that. you do. Uh, you look at the painting, and it, it's it's a pretty cool painting, it, and it's what Todd was talking about with the, the African um, pictures uh, or paintings, and uh, he did the image of uh, Benjamin Vernon Lilly, American big game hunter. Good well, thing. you know, the thing is too that that painting was a was a uh, study a study sketch. It wasn't it wasn't a finished painting. Okay. But so that then that's a lot of you look at a lot of his work and you see it and you go, gee, it's kind of abstractish. Well, most of that that stuff was studies or or sketches for another painting. Mm. But and you know any artist that becomes famous, you know it's like Picasso. If he if he blow his nose nose on a napkin and signed it, it'd be it'd be auctioned at Sotheby's. But anyhow, Ben, it was a, like I said, it was a portrait sketch of Ben Lilly, and they actually they had it on Antiques Roadshow. It was done around 1925, uh, and if you're interested in the Antiques Roadshow, it was season 25, uh, episode three, and that was this that was in January the 22nd of this year. So it's just it's just very recently. Anyhow, Lilly was a mix of John Moore and Rambo. That'll give you a good okay. idea of what this guy was like. He guided T.R. Uh, he killed bears and cougars with his Bowie knife. And uh, he didn't smoke or drink. The value of the Ben Lilly painting is between twelve dollars and $18,000. Wow. And again, that's just a, a sketch. Wow. Yeah. Now, where was it? Oh, he made his first trip west when he was 18 years old. Uh, when he married, and this is cool, when he married his bride, she found her honeymoon suite was in a Montana bunkhouse. <laughs> okay. He didn't want her to be lonely. There you go. No, that's, that's, what, what's, that's, you can't be more romantic than that. Mm-hmm. I figure that's what you and Noah would do when you hitch. You'll find a bunkhouse somewhere for the cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I was back, back when I was single, and I, I I decorated my place uh, with all my w- cowboy art and cowboy tack and leather and saddles and everything. And my mom walked into the house and she said, I need to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what's that, Mom? She said, no girl wants to come into a bunkhouse. 
It sends the wrong message. <laughs> she said, if she's, uh, unless, you know, if you've married her, uh, then you can ease her into it. But none of the girls you date are going to be comfortable here. <laughs> And that's why Todd was single sir, for so long. Would, yeah. Would, yeah. And then I got really lucky, and I met a woman who who liked the West as much as I did. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, while, while he was in his New York period, he could he did hundreds, and I mean hundreds, of illustrations for the magazines like Cosmopolitan, Harper's, Collins, everybody's, mm-hmm. almost all of, all of the big magazines of the day. And let's see what else have we got here. Oh, I, he illustrated the Western novels of West Harold Bindloss, Edgar Beecher Brinson, and of course St. Gray, as I mentioned. Uh, couple, a collector of his work was Douglas Fairbanks. Oh. He loved his work. Uh, let's see what else we got. Here. Would he be classified more as an illustrator or? Uh, I mean, I, I think I think to artist. me, I mean, to I, me, what's the difference? You know, it's just funny when I was when I was studying art. Uh, there was a person there, and because I was doing what I what I would call representational art, he said he's looking down his nose. And he says, "Oh, you're an illustrator," and I said, "What do you mean by that?" He says, "Well, you're doing you're doing this stuff." He says, "You got you got the artist, you know, Picasso and all that stuff, and you know these, these guys that were selling you know, then and still." And I said, "Oh, you mean the art decorators?" <laughs> Because that's what they are. They're not artists, they're decorators. Yeah, even back then, Bunker was uh, just like this. Yeah, I'm not having to Yeah. Well, well you know, your, your illustrator, I would say the illustrator, if you compare the illustrator to the artist, you know, um, people love to say that, you know, uh, Andy Warhol was only an, he was an illustrator, he was a graphic artist, mm-hmm. but... He had gone to art school, mm-hmm. and he had graduated, and in the 40s, he was doing ads into the 50s. He started in the 40s after World War II. He started doing ads on Madison Avenue for advertising mm-hmm. agencies into the 50s until he started doing his own art. And, you know, and people say, oh, well, he, all he did was, you know, take uh, uh, silhouettes of... Uh, Campbell soup cans and color them in. Yeah, that's true that he was doing that at that point in time with photographs of famous people. But before that, he was do- he had to draw on the fly in advertising agencies and come up with concepts for ads. Mm. That's an artist. Okay. That's you have to be able to work freehand, just like Serena Nola's daughter is a freelance. She works on the fly doing portraits of people. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And when they come in, when they walk up to her booth at Disneyland, she has to draw them in a caricature that looks like them. That's Mm -hmm. freehand. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, there are a lot of uh, graphic artists or illustrators who are doing that, but they started out as artists. You have to have the fundamentals. You've got it. And when you look at the work by Dutton, whether it's uh, On the Trail, which is of Indians, or Battle of the U.S. Field Artillery, going into action, or even That's just a, a quiet, uh, a little quiet thing from uh, um, the uh, the two, the brown horse and the white horse outside mm-hmm. uh, the Pueblo, uh, looks like Thomas Pueblo in the snow, mm-hmm. or even uh, uh, the cow hand, which is just a pencil drawing. Yeah. He captures the he captures the spirit of the subject. Mm-hmm. Only an artist can do that. And an illustrator or a graphic artist can get a touch of it, but they don't capture it fully. Okay. You know, I just want to mention too, because we keep talking like, like you know, he w- he went to art school and. and Chicago, and what he did go to Chicago, but he was self-taught. He was like Charlie Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the eye, and he had the yes. eye because he saw it and experienced it. Uh, just yeah. give you a kind of a little brief timeline here. He was primarily his period of book illustrations was from 1903 to 1923. His magazine work was from 1899 up to 1926. He was doing that even when he was doing his artwork, so to speak. Uh, the genre he worked in was portraits, family, friends, western characters, Indians. He loved doing animal life in the outdoors, landscapes, 
he did fishermen and hunters, and that was from his, his uh, uh, main childhood. And that's where he really started, was with his grandfather. He'd go hunting with his grandfather, and he'd come home and he'd draw. Okay. So what is it about Taos, New Mexico that attracted artists and still does today? Well, first of all, you got you got a you got a picture Taos, New Mexico, in 1910. You know, or, 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 I'm sure it wasn't anything like it is now. <laughs> it, was, it was it was an Indian pueblo. You know, you could go to Tosuki and some of the other pueblos that are around today, and it was pretty much like that. It was magnificent architecture, and the weather was fine. You had New Mexico's fabulous skies the cloud clouds in northern new mexico are not like clouds in arizona we you know they get the big storm clouds but they also get those cotton ball clouds mm-hmm. you go to santa fe this time of year through march that's what's in the sky cotton ball clouds and you see it in some of the artists paintings it's 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 the, you know again it's like they say everything it's the light it's the light well it is the light, but I also say that it's the blueness of the sky. Yes. There's a blueness that's a different blueness, and I love Arizona, so please please don't write, <laughs> all you Arizona people, and, and I know a lot of you because I used to live in Arizona, but there's a different blue sky color mm-hmm. in New Mexico, and please don't be offended, all you people in uh, Montana, the great blue, big sky country. Not it's the not sky. the same. It's not the same. Yeah. There's a different blue there. Just like there's a different, the food is different in New Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the I food in Arizona, but it's different. In, and I'm not saying it's better, it's just different. Okay. But everything about New Mexico better. is different. Okay, Bunker, you get to say that. I'm not, I know too many people in Arizona who are going to start writing. <laughs> That's where I'm living now. I, I understand. Yeah, but it's just different. And everything about New Mexico is different. It is. Uh, I I remember back years and years ago, this is 30 years ago, I used to go down to a a little bead shop down on uh, Main Street in Venice, which is kind of a funky, artsy area, lots of shops, lots of bars, lots of restaurants, and a very eclectic beach vibe of people. So you got your hippies and every other uh, amalgamation that you could ever imagine. And there was this young couple. They lit, had a little beat store there on on uh, on Maine in Venice, and they were both sweet people. But uh, they didn't bathe much. They were nice though. I liked them a lot, and um, they definitely smoked a lot of marijuana. Um, and Bad they people. were. They were working so hard and saving up every penny to move to Taos. They were so excited. And I always found this story so funny and comedic because they were just so in love with this concept of what they thought New Mexico was. And they finally closed their shop and they moved up there and they went to Taos and they were living there and you know uh, I would still go down and visit in Venice but you know of course they weren't there and one day I was walking down the street and they were in a different shop but there they were and I walked in and I said oh my god what happened to you guys and they both looked at me and like kind of waved me over and I said and they got real close to me and they said we hated it. And I said, what? What are you, what are you talking, why, how could you hate Taos, New Mexico? And they said, it's so conservative. <laughs> we, we, they, they ran, they practically ran us out of the town. And I was like, what? How could it, New Mexico is known to be the antithesis of conservative uh, Arizona or mm, Texas. Mm. It's in the middle. No, 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 no. No, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. They own a lot of guns there. There's a lot of guns. That's why like, there's okay. nobody lives there but New Mexicans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it always let me know how different New Mexico is from every other part of the West. But every part of the West is different from every part of other part of the West. And so are Texas, we. We Texas are, is different. Arizona is different. And this, part of, this different. part of the state is going on a, a, a break. Well, yeah, th- uh, we have to do a, our next commercial break, by golly. Yeah. Right here I on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Herbert Dutton is our topic for today. 
and we'll be right back after these messages. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Why? Those old enemy, prickly jack, come to nerve us, Elk. It's Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack Slate. This is the Voices of the West. Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Tad Roberts in Los Angeles, and Nervous Elk as well. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about Western artist William Herbert Buck Dunton. And by, you know, I'm looking at uh, many of his images here uh, online, and so many of them look almost like photographs. He was he would he knew what he was doing. I want to just mention this is because this is important. This is an opportunity for everybody out there listening. Right now, today, until the June thirtieth, there is an exhibition of his work. William Herbert Buck Dutton, a Maynard Goes West art exhibition at the Phoenix Art Museum. And like I say, it's going to be running until the end of June. And uh, it's located in the Art of America Galleries up in Phoenix, and during his career he also exhibited at the National Academy of Design of Art, the Art Institute of Chicago, the 1924 Venice Biennial. Now, this is what's interesting here in a way. Uh, he, made a, he made a trip out west of Montana in 1896 in search of subject material for his illustrations. Well, he spent the next 17 summers traveling the western states. Uh, He was particularly concerned with recording the ways and appearances of the Old West, a lifestyle that he felt was significant but fading before his very eyes. And this is a quote from him. He says, The West is past, more the pity. In another 25 years, the old-time westerners will have gone too. Gone with the buffalo and the antelope. I'm going to hand down to posterity a bit of the unadulterated real thing. And that was in the American Magazine of Art in 24. Hmm. Now, he exercised the skill for rendering detail we were talking about to achieve authenticity in clothing, equipment, the powerful muscles of the horse, uh, the precisions of his painting, along with the hint of drama, were the hallmarks of his work. And that's one of the things that I was really impressed. I looked at hundreds of his paintings. I mean, I spent, I'd start studying something and then sucked into a painting. Mm-hmm. And they, a lot of his paintings, they're stories in themselves, especially the illustrations. You, you know, you look at that and you go, it, it stops you. You know, you don't just look at it and say, oh, gee, that's a cowboy on a horse. Yeah. You go, oh, what's he doing? What's that? You know, it, it was like Charlie Russell. There was there was, Purpose. A, there was a, a beginning to the picture, mm-hmm. a middle to the picture, and an ending. And it was your job to figure it out. 
Uh, he also did uh, precise lithographic work of animals, uh, so it's something that he could produce at less expense work so that uh, folks like you and me could afford them. Uh, <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> what, what do we got? Oh, uh, I, I mentioned earlier that Douglas Fairbanks was a collector of his work. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the old liberal himself, mm -hmm. he was a, a collector. H.J. Uh, Lutcher Stark, he was a major, major collector. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, he This is an interesting piece. Uh, in 1923, he was commissioned to do a three-panel mural for the Missouri State Capitol. I've, I haven't seen any pictures of that, so I have no idea what it looked like. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I said, and again, I want to also go back to the source of my inspiration for wanting to do this. You remember we did the show uh, with uh, the guy from Medicine Man Gallery? No, Ren Gallery. Me Medicine Man Gallery. I thought it was the Rain Gallery. Oh, no, no. Blue no, Rain. Excuse Blue me. Rain, uh, Blue uh, Rain. Uh, Garcia. Excuse yeah. me. I, I'm mixing up my galleries here. I'm talk, I was mixing, I meant the Menace Man Gallery here in Tucson. Uh, and he's been buying and selling Dutton paintings for the last 30 years. Yeah. And if you want here in Tucson, if you want to go see some of his stuff, go out the skyline and take a, take a gander through there. And for the New Mexico folk, the Blue Rain Gallery. The Blue Rain Gallery. Uh, gallery. gallery I, uh, has yeah, a bunch of talking earlier. Jose my, Garcia. My timelines got screwed up and yeah. mixed up already. <laughs> Let's see. What, oh, here's another quote from him. This is the ideal place for me. He's talking about towels. Because there are more varieties of atmosphere than I have found in any other place. There are several varieties of sage and cactus for backgrounds, according to the elevation, that you can choose. The Taos Indians are a fine types as I have ever seen, and if one wants to paint a Mexican picture, he can get a backdrop at almost any place near Taos. And that's one of the things mentioning he's mentioning the uh, various cactuses and uh, stuff like that. You can literally tell the elevation of the of the scene that based he's on painting based on the, based on the uh, mm -hmm. vegetation that's in it. Did he ever marry? Yeah, oh yeah, let me go back here. I'll mention, I was going to mention that because it's, it's, it's not prominent, but it is it is an important part of his life, if I can find it. Of course, I never can find it when I'm looking for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was married, he had two kids. Uh, one of his great paintings is a painting of his daughter and his son. Uh, the daughter's horseback, the son is standing down in front of it. And they're dressed like... They would have been dressed back. They weren't. They weren't the buffalo no, no stuff. Yeah. It was. It was. You know, their, their common wear. Mm -hmm. And I can't find her. Okay. Well, I guess. I guess I just ruined his marriage. <laughs> I'm sorry, Buck. Yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be. It'd be like Todd ignoring Noah. We would, she would never let him hear the end. Oh, of heavens no. Okay. Here we go. What do we got here? Oh, from nineteen, from eighteen ninety-six, following the trip to Montana, he spent the next fifteen summers visiting the Pacific Northwest, traveling the Southwest, and he, this is one of the things he did. He during he was all those travels, he was selling pen and ink drawings to the local newspapers. Hmm. So you got to you got to know that there's a lot of that stuff out there, probably in somebody's drawer. Wow, or, you know, those those conceivably could be worth a lot of money. This is going back to his childhood now. He did a lot of hunting with his grandfather. Mm -hmm. He didn't care much for school, dropped out at 16, and worked as an assistant to a bear trapper. Also, he sold his first illustration when he was 14 years old. Mm. And so that's what you know. Bears were a, a favorite topic. Uh, yeah, that was the uh, image I used on the promotion for this on Facebook, yeah. this program on Facebook was his image of the vaqueros uh, roping bears. Oh, yeah, that's the old Spanish stuff, mm -hmm. you know, the old Mexican Californios. Uh, now, this is interesting. In his later years, because he, he loved bears, he loved to paint them, but mainly he went on dry hunts through the late 20s and 30s, preferring instead to take the game with a thumb box of oil paints and small canvas panels. And this is what he has to say about bears. This is another little quote from him. Bear. 
How my heart leapt to my pulse and my pulse quickened as I sat motionless and agape, drinking in these weird tales of an ancient past. For to me, a bear seemed to belong to those bygone years of the screaming panther and skulking Indian with his war whoop and bloody tomahawk. <laughs> you know, you could tell he was romantic. He could have written stories, too. <laughs> There's another, another little quote here. He says, To hand down... To prosperity, prosperity, posterity. Prince <laughs> is getting awfully close to the paper now. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, then I'll start over. To hand down to posterity a bit of the unadulterated thrill thing. Now, he did study with Joe DeCamp and E.L. Blumenstein. And uh, what else have we got here? Yeah. Oh, there's a couple of books I want to recommend on him. Uh, one is The Art and Life of W. Herbert Dutton, uh, 1878 to 1936, by Julie Schemel. And W. Herbert Button. Button. <laughs> Get it out, Bunker. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Herbert W. Dutton. God, I've only written that name a million times and said it that way. A retrospective by Michael Brower. This was published in 91. Another quote. This is, I love this quote. This is talking about his early days when he was cowboy. He says, he said he thought he wanted to be a cowboy, but long hours, hard work, and sorry grub, and sorry pay, and no future. He also <laughs> said he made a very sorry puncher as he couldn't rope a stick chicken with its legs hobbled. That's like me. <laughs> yeah. No, this, this, this is this is a description of one of his, his his paintings that I really like, and this is the O.D. Obar D. outfit. The cowboy rests on what could be a Visalia, California slick fork saddle with square skirts, form normally favored by Texans. A quirt dangles from his right wrist while he wears Montana peak hat, leather wrist cuffs, and woolly chaps all typical of a Northern Plains cowboy, often seen in the paintings of his friend Charlie Russell. His three-button wool shirt and red wild rag are also typical of the cow country period depicted. And that was an interesting thing. You know, he mentions the three-button shirt. And, you know, we watch the Westerns now, you know, and the guys, the button, shirt buttons all the way down. Yeah, yeah. And most of them were pullovers. Yeah, most of them were pull. And same with the, in the Civil War period. Well, all the way up until they started doing buttons yeah. all the way down. But um, e even into the early 1900s, there were yeah. still pullover shirts. Uh, you, 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 you go the back, Victorian if style. If you look, go back and look at the George O'Brien westerns, mm -hmm. he almost always wore the you know, three-button mm -hmm. or, or, or a lace-up. Mm -hmm. It was always the pullovers. Yep. Well, what else have we got? Here? Well, while you think about that, we'll take our final commercial break. Okay, well, uh, I'll, look for, I'll look for his wife and kids. They okay, may be in the bushes around here somewhere. <laughs> Abel Franzi's Voices of the West is what you're listening to with Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. Herbert Dutton is our uh, guest. But, uh, topic will be land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management, where we manage money for gun owners. When people turn 50, something miraculous happens. They start to get serious about retirement planning. They've done very well so far and want to be certain they power into the retirement they've earned. Let me guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. 
Call me, Ed Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. You looking for trouble, Donovan? You aim to help me find some? This is the Voices of the West. chicken farmer took a walk out on his farm one day. He paused by the coop as he went along his way. When all at once the rotten egg hit him in the eye, it was a sight he dreaded. Ghost chickens in the sky. You heard it first right here. <laughs> heard it first right here. Honorable <laughs> friends, these voices of the West. Welcome back here. I've Alexander Bunker Friends and Todd Roberts. You've seen uh, Leroy Troy? No, I've seen ghost chickens. Oh, you see ghost chickens in the sky. You had an egg you had an egg drop on you, did you? Oh yeah, they drop an egg on you in a minute. What a hilarious tune and uh, performance was it's on per- uh, it's perfect for our show. I know. It, 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 performance was uh, on a, a show of Marty Stewart. Yeah. And who who is still around by the way. Yeah. And I understand we're in talks to try and get him on the show. Oh, that would be good. It was. I think I met him once. Did you? Because uh, there was another Stuart, who was a stuntman, and he was do- doing Legend, mm-hmm. and his brother was on there, and the brother's a guitar player and all that, and, and I, I, I didn't put associated at that mm-hmm. time, but he looked an awful lot like the Marty Stewart that we see here, and I'm always going, I wonder if that was him. You know, it's, I don't know that it was or wasn't, but you know what's interesting? While, while we were on break, I went looking for Mr. Dutton's wife and kids. You found them? I found them. They were, they, I don't know where the wife was, but the nah. kids were out riding out, out there on there the south side of Towers. But the wife was a lady named Nellie Gertrude Dutton, and they married in 1900. And the kids, the eldest was Vivian Ernestine Dutton. That's the girl, obviously. And then <laughs> Ivan Hartley Dutton was the, uh, the son. And... So anyhow, the missing family has been reunited, and I am so happy. <laughs> now I want to—I just want to mention again in the time we got left—he uh, is in museum collections all over the place. I found—I come up with 21 different museums. I'm going to read all of them to you. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I will mention a couple. We mentioned the Stark Museum already, the Buffalo Bill Historical Center in Cody, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City, the Desert Caballos, Caballeros Western Museum up in Wickenburg, and just Gilchrist Museum, Museum in New It's on and on and on and on. And we'll just... We'll there, just there, there aren't any being displayed at the Autry, are there, Todd? Not that I know of, but the next time I go out, I'll be looking. Okay. Now, I want to just, uh, and 
with this one, Todd, join in. I'm just going to name some of the paintings, and if I have any any comments about them or something, I'm going to talk, and if I don't, I'm uh, not. not going to talk. <laughs> but the one I want to start with, and it's one of the ones, because, again, like I said, he captured art uh, action so well and told a story. Uh, he did a picture called The Badger Hole or The Spill, and my comment was, wow, with, a, with an exclamation mark. But, I mean, the, it's a horse wreck. That horse is down. The cowboy, is, he's getting downhill on his face. You know it's a wreck. You just see it. And, but the detail, you know, you can, you can smell the dust, you know, you can feel the pain. That's mm -hmm. just how it was. Uh, another one, and Todd mentioned this one, uh, Battery of the U.S. Field Artillery, and you'd love that one. I would. It. I was looking for yeah. it, but I haven't been able to and locate it. it. It's it's because uh, he did a lot of black and white stuff because mm -hmm. it was for illustrations, mm -hmm. you know. Sure. And but the detail in that, you know, it's it's, it's got the caisson being pulled by a six up. You've got the the, the left lead horse. The rider on it, which is the way that they yep, had it, and yep. uh, a guy back on the case on, and you know, again, you, you, you feel the dust up your nose. Mm, it, wow. just, it just, it just, just, mm. it's like it was like a close-up in a John Ford movie, almost nice. of the wagon going nice. by. What else have we got here? Uh, I don't want to mention that one. The Wilkie, the Wanderer of the Wasteland. That's a really nice. That's a, a uh, color illustration, I think, and we're. Henry just gave uh, Henry. Harry just gave me three fingers. You can call me Ray. <laughs> he just gave me well, three fingers. You can fingers call me Jay. With, with one in the middle. So you can call me RJ. So with the with the remaining time, uh, Todd, you got anything to wrap it up from your end? Well, you know, he just had this. Uh, I you know you you might call it his hand, and the way he was able to illustrate things to give a sense of realism but at the same time something to aspire to it always reminds me of the Sessa B. DeMille saying that uh, you know pictures need to be bigger than life mm -hmm. in films they need to be bigger than life they need to inspire if it's not going to be that let's put it on TV <laughs> and I, I think that that applies here you know he runs a say, Hotel de Paris <laughs> Yeah, when people say, well, you know, everybody's so good looking and everybody has such serious thing, you know, uh, uh, eyes and look at the horses are so beautiful and so on. And yeah, uh, you know what? Do I want to see some guy who uh, or anyone who's, you know, unattractive uh, or has a scowl on their face or is overly too real? No. I don't. I want to aspire to something. I want to be better than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so, when you look at great art, and that includes Dunton, uh, you know, it can inspire you to philosophize. And that's what separates us uh, from the rest of the beasts on this planet, mm -hmm. is that we can philosophize, philosophize. because we can look at we can look at art and interpret it and experience it in a way that's much greater than um, you know the reality of the world we live in you know I'm looking at this picture uh, that he did a painting that he did and Todd you talked about it the horse rustler mm -hmm. uh, from 1915 and it it's an incredible image I mean it when you look at that, it looks like a photograph, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. You know, it, yeah. uh, just the detail of the cowboy on the horse there, and the detail on the horse is like, holy mackerel. Yeah. I want to <laughs> well, kind of close this out with, with a description of one of the paintings called The Glance. And oh, yeah. it's not an action painting. It's a cowboy in a general store. His buddy's standing there behind him. Mm -hmm. The little, the little school—not school marm, but the little clerk. girl clerk—is mm -hmm. standing there. Mm -hmm. And here's yeah. this big, handsome cowboy, and she's got that look in her eye. You know, mm -hmm. you know, these guys <laughs> in the last reel are going to get together. They're going to be sparking. But, but she's got yeah. that, that, just that. Oh my God! Look on her face, and he's got this kind of—he's got this kind of cowboy smile on his face. It's like, 
Well, I know she's looking at me. Should I ask yeah. her to the dance, or should, I just, go. or should I just go home to the cows? Good show, fellas. Well, I will also say that in, in, in talking about the difference between reality and and the exceptional, exceptional uh, images of art, um, I lived in Sedona, as you guys might remember, for yes. several years back yes. in the Oak Creek Canyon. And every day I'd walk from my dorm room to school, uh, it was all on one campus, and, you know, I saw the red rocks every day, and it was beautiful, and it almost gets to be to a point where you just take it for granted, you know. Mm -hmm. And when it would rain, uh, there was a dark, you know, those dark gray clouds, charcoal gray clouds mm -hmm. would come out, and that rain, that wet, wet wetness would hit those red rocks and they would turn a really darker color mm -hmm. and Almost then, a brown. yeah it's a it's a dark brick uh, uh, dark brick red but really dark mm. and in the crevices where the water would come down it would almost go purple mm -hmm. there was a purple hue to the water runoff mm. and you know when you're looking at a Dutton painting that's what you're looking at you're mm -hmm. looking at that that moment that he's capturing it's not every day all day all year long right. it's special moments that may give us memories that want us a piece of time a piece of that they we want to have that in our memory and if you're lucky enough you can afford it you have it on your wall very good good uh, good topic fellas good show I, I wish I could have contributed and a lot more. You, you, kept, you kept us audible. Well, I tried. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> we well, also kept us on point, Harry. Well, I yeah. tried to. Because you know me, if it was, if, it yeah, was, I if, if I was, if, if you let me go too far, I'll, I'll drag Bunker down to the nearest bar and we're going to mm. get in an argument I with know. somebody uh, who's uh, a lot uh, bigger you, you than know, us. Uh, We'd uh, get a, a four-hour review of Sunset Boulevard and Gloria Swanson. Yeah, yeah. That's anyway, what would next time we get together on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, it will be Movie Saturday, and our yeah. topic is... Uh, oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Westerns of the Sierra Nevada... Sierra Nevada Westerns. Westerns of the Sierra Nevada Mountain Mount, Range. There we go. I'm glad you remember. And that's that's talking a whole lot of country. It is. 78, 79. Adios there, Buck. We enjoyed riding the painting range with you today. And may your paintings grow in greater, greater fame. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.